Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Mike McGowan. Happy Labor Day weekend. I hope that your Labor Day weekend and holiday weekend is off to a good start, and I hope you enjoy your day off tomorrow. Um, I, I, I truly believe that when you make the effort to come to church on a holiday weekend or you know watch live online on a holiday weekend, I believe that God sees that, and I think he blesses that, and I think he's got something really special for you whenever you make that extra effort to be a part, and I promise you today is no exception. God has something great in store for each of us today, and uh, today we're wrapping up our message series called Peace Out, and today we come to a passage in the Bible that I didn't even know existed. Now, I mean, I know I've read it before because, you know, I mean, I've read through the Bible multiple times, but... I'm telling you, it, it never jumped out at me until I read it a couple of months ago in my personal time alone with God. And I'm telling you, it, God used it in my heart and my life, and I, I, just like it's never happened before. Which, by the way, is, is why you need to read your Bible every day. Because when you read your Bible every day, God can use things that you've read before, and you've read before even multiple times. But God will use them in a new way in your life. So read your Bible, right? That's, that's a big thing. Okay, so let me give you the context of this passage so that, you know, whenever we read it, it'll make, it'll make more sense. The people of Israel are currently slaves in Egypt in the, at this stage of the game. And they've been slaves there for 400 years. Okay, let that just sink in for just a second, okay? That's 10 generations of people, and all they've ever known is slavery. That's it. And this is the brutal kind of slavery that we think about, the, the kind of slavery that is just so incredibly evil. And these people have no peace, and they haven't had peace in their lives, literally, for hundreds of years. And they've prayed, and they've cried out, and they've wished, and they've hoped, and they've sought God, but yet nothing's changed. But then along comes a guy named Moses. And you maybe have heard of Moses before, but Moses was actually a Hebrew, but he grew up as the adopted son of Pharaoh in Pharaoh's household. Well, Moses one day kills an Egyptian slave master because he was being so brutal to a Hebrew slave, and so Moses flees the country. Moses has been gone 40 years. He started a new life. He's gotten married. He now has a new job tending sheep for his father-in-law. And so one day, Moses, he's just, he's just with the out, outside with the livestock, just you know, watching him graze, and then something happens that changes his life forever. Let's read about it. Uh, it's in your message notes in Exodus chapter 3. If you want to follow along in your Bible, you can. You want to follow along on your phone, you can. Or in your worship guide, you can. Either way. Um, in Exodus chapter 3, beginning of verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that... Though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, 
Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Okay, let's just, let me pause right there just for a second. This passage affects something that I do literally every single day. Every single day, whenever I sit down to, you know, read my Bible and pray and spend time alone with God, I always take off my shoes. Always. And you know why? Because I believe that um, when I'm there to pray and read my Bible, I'm, I'm there to meet with God. And get this, if I'm there to meet with God and God meets with me, doesn't that make that place holy ground? Like, I believe that it does. And so, you know what? I take off my shoes. Because it helps me put God in his proper place and me in my proper place. And so, yeah, I just want to encourage you. Whenever you sit down to pray and read your Bible every day, think about it. Think about taking off your shoes, making that your regular practice, okay? And by the way, if after you take off your shoes, that means that you begin to offer a fragrant aroma to the Lord, you know, okay? They make candles for that kind of thing, okay? So uh, here we go, Uh, verse six, okay, here it is. Then he said, this is God talking, then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So, and I want you to underline this part, I have come down to rescue them. I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Okay? Now, look at that part that I had you underline. It says, God says, I have come down. Okay? That's past tense. I mean, you would think that as, as you read this, you would think that it would say, that God would say, so I will come down, or I'm about to come down. Because look, nothing's happened yet. Like Moses hasn't been to Egypt, okay? There's been no plagues. There's been no parting of the Red Sea. Like nothing has changed. The people in Egypt, they're still slaves, and they don't have any more peace on this day than they had the day before that or the 400 years before that. Like nothing has changed. But God has said he has already come down. And and, and now, I mean, there is a sense in which God has come down in the voice of a burning bush, but... I mean, nothing has changed physically, but in the mind of God, it's already done. For God, in his mind, like, it's already past tense. He has already come down and done what he is about to do, okay? But what about that time in between? What, what happens in the time between when God starts something and the time that God finishes something. How do I have peace in that gap time? In my life, when I experience a gap and peace comes in little pieces all along the way, how can I have peace? You know, for example, 
When I trust God with my finances, I start giving God 10% of my income just like he commands in the Bible, but yet there's been no change or blessing in my personal finances, how can I have peace in that gap? When I've prayed, when I've prayed for someone in my family to be healed and nothing has changed, how can I have peace in that gap? When I've asked God to help my child who doesn't believe and is far away from God, and when that child is still far away from God, how do I have peace in that gap? When I've tried to obey God and follow God as best I can and trust him during these years that I'm single, but yet there's nobody on the horizon that I even want to remotely spend my life with, how do I have peace in that gap? When, God, when I know God is starting something new in my life, but yet nothing's really changed yet, like, how do I have peace in that gap? That is what we're talking about today. So, when I, have, when I find myself in that gap between God starting something, God finishing something, how do I have peace? Well, let's talk about it. There's three things, and here's the first. I want you to write this down first thing that God says I need to do is this. I need to be faithful in the gap. I need to be faithful in the gap. I want you to look again at the passage that literally we just read. And so I've reprinted a couple of verses there for you, verses 7 and 8 of Exodus chapter 3. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. And underline this part. I have heard them crying out. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them. Okay? Look at the part that I had to underline here. It says, God says, I have heard them crying out. What that means is, is that the Israelites, they've still been praying. They've still been seeking They've still been asking. They've still been believing. All this time, they've still been crying out to God. Now, I mean, look, I'm sure that there's a few of them that have lost faith. But as a whole, the nation, they've still been praying. And they've been faithful to pray and believe and to seek God. Okay? Now, think about that for just a second. Think about that. Remember, they've been slaves for 400 years. Years. That means there's been 400 years of silence from God. Like, there's been 400 years of God doing nothing. There's been four centuries of parents telling their children to believe because one day God's going to rescue us. Four centuries of that. And so let, let me ask you, if you had been there, would you have been faithful? Would you have remained faithful to God? I mean, think about it. If every single person that you had ever known had been a slave, as far back as you could remember, as far back as your parents could remember, as far back as your grandparents could remember, if all of you had been slaves, but yet you were hoping and believing that one day God would deliver you, would you have been able to remain faithful during that whole time? I'm telling you, like, that would, have been, that would have been tough, okay? So here's the question. 
The question is this. Is your faith and your faithfulness to God, is it based on what God does for you or is it based on who God is? Because if it's based on what God does for you, then if God doesn't answer your prayers, or he doesn't do what you want him to do, or things aren't working out like you think they ought to, or things aren't moving fast enough for you, then what you're essentially saying is, you know what, if that doesn't happen because it's my faithfulness to God is based on what he does for me, then if he doesn't do for me what I want him to do, well then I'm going to quit believing. I'm just going to pick up my ball and I'm going to go believe in something else. But if my faith in God is based on who he is, then when I experience a difficult season in my life, that I remain faithful to God because he's still God, whether things are working out for me the way I want to or not. That's what I mean. So let me ask you, what is your faith based on? Is it based on what God does for you or is it based on who he is. That's the question. And if your faith is based on who he is, you know what that does? It brings you peace. And you know why it brings you peace? Because it means that every time that things don't work out for you, it, it, it means that your faith is not up for debate. It's not up for renegotiation. You've already made a commitment. God, I'm going to be faithful to you no matter what. No matter how long this gap is that I'm experiencing, I'm going to remain faithful to you. So would you, would, would you be willing right now just to whisper a quick prayer to God? Would you whisper a prayer to God saying, God, I'm telling you, I will be faithful to you no matter how long this a gap season is because you are God and my faith is based on who you are not on what you do for me would you pray something like that right now because look when your faith is based on who God is that means that you'll be faithful no matter how long that gap is. And look, that gap is probably not going to be 400 years of slavery, okay? But get this. Even if it is, would you be the kind of person that says, God, I'll be faithful no matter what? Okay. Here's the second thing that God says to us. Number two, write this down. Second thing is this. God says, I need to resist trying to make deals with God. I need to resist trying to make deals with God. Now, I, I've just printed a scripture reference there for you. It's Judges 11, uh, verses 1 through 40. And I, the reason I didn't print all those verses out is, first off, there's not room for 40 verses, okay? But second off, this story makes me so mad. I just like, I don't even want to print it, okay? And the story makes me so mad because it's about the, literally, it's the only guy in the entire Bible that I know of that actually tried to make a deal with God. It's a guy named Jephthah, and he makes a deal with God. And it, it's a long story, so I'll let you just go read it on your own. But, you know, bottom line, Jephthah says to God, God, if you will allow me and my army to defeat the Ammonites, then I will sacrifice to you the first thing that walks out the front door of my house. Which might be like the dumbest deal I've ever heard of in my entire life. I mean, seriously, the guy's a complete moron, okay? So anyway, here's the deal. Here's what happens. God does indeed give him a victory. 
Like they win the battle. And when Jephthah goes home, guess what the first thing is that walks out the front door of his house? It's his daughter, his only child. And here's what's even crazier. Jephthah goes through with it and sacrifices his daughter to God. I mean, honestly, what a moron. Because first off, God never asked Jephthah to make a deal with him. Second off, God never really wanted Jephthah to go through with that deal because we know from Deuteronomy chapter 18 and Leviticus 18 that God hates human sacrifice and prohibits anyone from making a human sacrifice to him. Third, God would have granted Jephthah victory anyway because God didn't you know, cause a victory to happen because Jephthah made a deal. God caused a victory to happen because he wanted the Ammonites to quit terrorizing the Israelites. So they would have won the battle no matter what. I mean, seriously, what a moron. So in this story, he, he makes a deal that God never asked him to make. But look, there's a reason why Jephthah literally is the only guy in the entire Bible to make a deal with God. And the reason is, is because in the entire Old Testament and the entire New Testament, honestly, they just had a different view of God than most people have in our day and age. They viewed God as so big, so majestic, so powerful, so perfect, so holy, that they realized that they had nothing to offer God that he would want. They realized that they, as the creation, had nothing that they could leverage against the creator to manipulate him to do what they wanted. And so, they just simply never tried to make deals with God because they realized they didn't bring anything to the table. Which, by the way, makes it so remarkable that God would send his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. I mean, think about that. We don't bring anything to the table. We bring nothing that God lacks. But yet, even then, God sent his son Jesus Christ to die for you and for me. That despite all my shortcomings, all my failures, all my disobedience, all the times that I've walked away from him, all the times I've been unfaithful, all the times that I've done things that I regretted, despite all of that, God still sent his son Jesus to die for you and for me. I mean, he doesn't... We don't have anything that he lacks. We bring nothing to the table that we could negotiate with for our forgiveness. In fact, the only thing we can really do is just accept his free gift of forgiveness through Jesus Christ. That's it. So if you've never done that, if you've never accepted God's free offer of forgiveness... Accept it today. Because look, I mean, let me just be honest with you. You don't bring anything to the table to negotiate with. And neither do I. God offers us forgiveness just because he loves us. And so if you've never accepted it, I want to encourage you to do that today. There's a prayer. It's in your message notes. Pray that prayer right now, please. And accept God's free offer of forgiveness through Christ. But... Getting back to, you know, my point with this, 
if, if you find yourself in a gap between what God says he, between what God has started and what God is going to, what God will finish, if you find yourself in that gap, resist trying to make a deal with God to, you know, speed things along or to get God to do what you want. Because look, it's never worked. It never will. And God never asks you to, right? Okay. One more. Number three. Let's wrap it up with this, okay? Number three is this. God wants me to obey what I already know. I, I need to obey what I already know. Look, while you're waiting for God to come through for you, while you're waiting for God in that gap period, obey what you already know to do. I want you to look what Moses and his brother Aaron do from the time they hear God in the burning bush until the time they arrive in the promised land. Okay, look what happens. And really there's a whole series of verses I want to read. It's beginning in Exodus chapter 7 verse 6. It says, Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded them. And so at that, and that's after the burning bush. And so once they arrive in Egypt and Pharaoh says he's not going to let the people go, Moses again obeys God by starting the first of ten plagues. Here's what happens. Verse 20. Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord had commanded. He raised his staff at the prince of Pharaoh and his officials and struck the water of the Nile, and all the water was changed into blood. And then Moses is faithful to do exactly what God says for nine more plagues. And then Pharaoh finally lets the people go. They, go to, they, they flee Egypt, and they're on the border of the Red Sea, Pharaoh changes his mind. They're chasing the Israelites. Moses obeys God again by parting the Red Sea. The Israelites walk through on dry ground. The, Israel, the, the Egyptians chase them. And then after the Israelites are all on the other side and the Egyptians are in the middle of the Red Sea still chasing them, here's what happens. Verse, uh, chapter 14, verse 26. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak, the sea swept back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. Look, I can give multiple examples of how Moses continued to obey God. He obeyed God by going up Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments. He obeyed God when he told the people how to eat the manna and the quail so they would have something to eat while they were in the desert. He obeyed God by writing down the instructions for how to build the tabernacle so they could have places to worship. Every time that God told Moses to do something, he obeyed, except for one. There was one time when God told Moses to speak to a rock and it would produce water, but instead Moses struck a rock and it produced water. So Moses literally obeyed everything he knew that God told him to do, except one time. And so for us, what that means is, is that when we're in that gap season, we need to obey the things that we already know God wants us to do. Because look, our problem is not, generally, that we have no idea what God wants us to do. Our problem is that we don't do the things we already know God wants us to do. Think about it. You already know God wants you to be kind to everyone all the time. You already know that God wants you to give back to him 10% of your income. You already know that God wants you to volunteer and serve him. You know, and maybe that would be volunteering and serving in kids and youth ministry because 
God wants to use you to help raise up this next generation to believe in him and follow him. You already know that God wants you to read your Bible, to pray every day. You already know that he uh, wants you to not be overwhelmed with materialism and greed. You already know that he doesn't want you to be addicted to anything. You already know that he wants you to be a part of a local church. There's so many things that you already know that God wants you to do. Because our problem isn't that we don't know. Our problem is that we're not doing and obeying the things that we already know that God wants us to do. So, when you obey God and start doing the things that you already know, how does that bring you peace? A couple of ways. It brings you peace because at that point in time, your relationship with God is healthier because you're walking with God rather than pulling against God and fighting him. It also brings you peace because um, you know that whenever difficulty does come into your life, that it's not God trying to correct your willful disobedience. I mean, there might be other reasons why difficulty comes in your life, but look, one thing that you can cross off the list is that God is not trying to correct your willful disobedience. I'm telling you, my friends, that brings a lot of peace into your life. It brings a lot of peace into your life. Because look, here's the thing. Here's you've got to understand. Just like for Moses and the Israelites, there is going to come a day when that gap season that you're in is going to be over. There will come a day when that gap season will be through. And the things that God has started, he will have finished in your life. And don't you want to, when you get to that point, don't you want to be able to look back and say, God, through all of that, I followed you and I obeyed you as best I knew how. I, did, I obeyed everything I knew to do at the time. So would you make a commitment to do that? So, like, here, so here's, what, look, here's what I want you to do. You know, when we started talking about you know, obeying that, obeying what you already know, I want you to pick just that one thing that jumped into your mind first. Look, you might have thought of like 20 things that you know you need to do that you're not doing. But whatever it is, whatever that one thing is, just commit to God to do that one thing. Just start there, just that one thing. And I'm telling you, if you will make a commitment to God and follow through by doing that one thing, it will begin to bring peace to you. Especially if you're in that kind of a gap season. Because one day that gap will be finished. But for all of us, look, we're, we're all going to experience a gap at some point in our lives. There's all, all of us are going to experience a time when God starts something and there's going to be a gap between when he finishes that something. And how we act in that gap affects our peace. And so make a commitment to be faithful to God during that gap. Resist the temptation to try to negotiate with God during that gap. And when you're in that gap, obey what you already know to do. And when you do that, I'm telling you, just like it says in Philippians 4, 7, the verse we started this entire series with, that peace that passes all understanding will keep your heart and your mind grounded in Christ Jesus. All right? 
Bow your head, close your eyes. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for your pa- incredible patience for us, with us, especially when we're in that gap and we're confused and, and we're hurt and we doubt. Thank you for your grace and your patience and your mercy to us. And Father, I pray for every person listening right now that's in a gap season in their life. Lord, that you would draw close to them, that they would feel your closest, they would feel your love. And Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that that gap season would be shortened. That just, just, just because you love them, you would shorten that gap season. But in the meantime, that you would give us courage and strength and fortitude and perseverance to continue to follow you because you alone are God. We love you. And bring us back next week so we can hear more of your heart for us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.